Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Got to tell you, today was one of the happiest days I've had in recent memory because Facebook was down. Facebook down all day long. Mark Zuckerberg lost between six or seven billion dollars of his net worth, slid down on those rankings to only the sixth most wealthy person on the planet. Oh, poor, poor Zuck. But yeah, Facebook's been completely down all day. Instagram been completely down. Messenger, WhatsApp, and the uh, the the virtual reality all all down. Other parts of the internet down too. Um, <laughs> Kind of crazy. Facebook is down for one day and they lose 5% of their value. I have a feeling that's probably going to jump back up if they get back online tomorrow. Um, so we're not on li- We're not live on Facebook right now. It's not worth even trying to go live with how sketchy it is. But we are live on conservative-daily.com, DLive, Twitch, Clout Hub, uh, Frank Speech, Rumble, all those places. So make sure you check us out there. And if you haven't already... Text the word FREEDOM to 89517. You'll get added to our text alert system. They'll get you a notification right before we go live with the different URLs for where you can find us. So a few things to talk about today. First, I, I want to start briefly and recap what we talked about in the first in the first uh, episode this morning. Um, first episode this morning, <laughs> Kirsten Cinema, Democrat senator from Arizona, chased into a bathroom by an illegal alien and then illegally videotaped in that bathroom by said illegal alien. That's felony. Under Arizona law, that is a felony to surreptitiously record people in the bathroom without their consent. Not just cinema. There were a couple other people that were caught on camera just trying to use the bathroom. It's a felony. If we lived in a real country, ICE would have swooped in and deported that, that lady and anyone else involved. But no, we don't live in a country that actually enforces the law. Instead, we live in a country where illegal aliens get to go around and just chase senators into bathroom stalls. In case you missed that in the first episode, we're gonna play a brief bit of it just so you can see what I'm talking about. Let's go ahead and play this cut zero. Okay, I'll be back. Sit down, we wanna to talk to you real quick. Wanna to talk to you real quick? Hi, actually, I am heading out. But um, right now is a real moment that our people need in order for us to be able to talk about what's really happening. We need a Build Back Better plan right now. We, we knocked on doors. We need solutions. The Build Back Better plan need has the solutions that we need. We knocked on doors for you to get you elected. And just how we got you elected, we can get you out of office if you don't support what you promised us. We need 7 million citizenship for 7 million. We need the Build Back Better plan right now. My name is Blanca. I was brought here to the United States when I was 3 years old. And in 2010, my grandparents both got deported because of SB 1070. And I'm here because I definitely believe that we need a pathway to... Feel so bad for that one woman leaving the stall, just trying to do her business in peace. And now she is making the rounds on nationwide television. That's why the law is in place. You can't videotape inside of bathrooms because that's the one place, if there's ever a place where you should have an expectation of privacy, it would be in a a restroom, but no, not so much there. Joe Biden was asked about this. The reason we're mentioning this again is because after we went live, Joe Biden was asked what he thought about illegal aliens. They didn't say specifically illegal aliens, but that woman was an illegal alien. She admitted it. Illegal aliens chasing a sitting senator into a bathroom. What Joe Biden thought about it. And classic Joe Biden, he said it's part of the process. Let's play cut number one. Mr. President, just one, Mr. President, uh, you're talking about how you have 48 Democratic votes right now. The other two uh, have been pressured over the weekend by activists. Joe Manchin had people on kayaks show up to his boat, PL Adam. Senator Sinema last night was chased into a restroom. Do you think that those tactics are crossing a line? 
I don't think they're appropriate tactics, but it happens to everybody. From the, <laughs> the only people it doesn't happen to are people who have Secret Service standing around them. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's part of the process. Yes, sir. A lot of people have been trying to attack immigration. Part of the process, he says it's terrible, but it's part of the process. I'd love to know what process he's talking about, because I've never heard of that. I've never heard of part of the process being chase the senator into a bathroom and, and illegally videotape other people trying to use the restroom. No, I mean, they committed felonies. These are not peaceful protesters. That is a felony. This was a class five, I think it was in Arizona, felony to videotape someone in the bathroom. They got three people videotaped. They got Kirsten Cinema going into the stall. They got another woman leaving and wash your hands and leaving. They got another woman leaving one of the stalls. That's three felonies. Three felonies. And they're not being deported. No, they're being praised. They're being praised for their bravery and for speaking truth to power. So I wanted, to, I wanted to cover that just because, just in case you thought Joe Biden would have handled that. I mean, it's very simple. Out of all the things Joe Biden has ever condemned, condemning the illegal aliens, chasing a sitting senator into a bathroom, seems like it would have been the easiest thing to condemn. But no, it's part of the process. Part of the process. I had a cut of Jen Psaki. I don't want to play it. I'm tired of that. But I will tell you, if you haven't already, you got to check out the Conservative Daily Store. If we go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer. Today, the T-shirt we're featuring tonight is the Freedom Eagle T-shirt. The link is in the description. So go ahead and check this T-shirt out. we got a bunch of other T-shirts, lots more coming. Um, so make sure you check it out, store.conservative-daily.com. we got T-shirts, we got stickers, we got different gear, cups, mugs, little stainless steel, little uh, mug, cup. Very cool. So check it out, store.conservative-daily.com. Uh, let's take it down. The big story of the day. Obviously, Facebook's down. So what? when Facebook's down, people can't talk to people, can't, <laughs> I guess, waste time. Facebook was down. It was also a very slow news day. I don't know if anyone noticed that. A very, very slow news day. So what tends to happen when people are forced to kind of think for themselves and not be on Facebook, and there's not a whole lot going on, people tend to overreact to the most basic of stories. And all day long, I'm getting texts from everyone. Oh, I, I got like 20 texts today from people saying, what's going on with Taiwan? What's going on with China? What's going on with Taiwan and China? These flights into Taiwan's airspace. I'm like, okay. Obviously, that's what the media is covering today. It's a slow news day. That's what's making the rounds. And I start looking into it, and it's even more, it's even more confusing why this is the story of the day. And I think we have to, it's, it's a little bit, contradictory to complain that the media is focusing on this and then simultaneously focus our show on it. But I want to do it not to highlight the story itself, but to highlight the motivations behind not only the fact that the media is pushing it, but who in the media is pushing and what they're choosing to tell you and what they're not choosing to tell you. So let's just get it out of the way. The headline of the day is that China has put something like, it keeps going up like 150, 170 different um, flights into Taiwan's airspace. Remember that for a little bit in the last four days. And it's been like 52 flights into Taiwan's airspace in the last 24 hours. That's the headline. That's, that's what most people are going to hear about. That's what most people are going to see. And for the vast majority of Americans who realize that China is flying into Taiwan's airspace, that is the extent of what they're going to learn about it. Well, Taiwan, understandably, it's freaking out. This little island, little island in the Pacific where they're right next to China. And China claims ownership over Taiwan. It's a, it's a very complicated issue. I mean, it really isn't. Taiwan is its own country, and China just wants to bully them and take it for their own, similar to what they've done in Hong Kong, though that has a little bit of a different past behind it. China wants Taiwan. Taiwan wants to be free. <clears throat> just to sum it up in the most simplest, in the simplest way possible. Here is the Taiwan, here's Taiwan's foreign minister explaining what's been going on and explaining how Taiwan is ready to fight China to the end. Let's play cut three. Defense of Taiwan is in our own hands and we are absolutely committed to that. 
and if China is going to launch a war against Taiwan, we will fight to the end. And that is our commitment. And of course, during this period of time, we would like to exchange with other countries for security cooperation. And we would like to engage in security or intelligence exchanges with other like-minded partners, Australia included, so that Taiwan is better prepared to deal with the war situation. And so far, our relations with Australia is very good. And that is what we appreciate it for. So that obviously, if you're in Taiwan's shoes and you see Chinese planes flying around your little island country, yeah, of course, you're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be really nervous. When he says he's looking to get into cooperative defense agreements with other countries, he probably shouldn't be leading with we're going to fight to the end. Not a whole lot of countries want to get involved in a, in, a, in a war with China, right? I mean, if he wants to, if he wants to lead with we want to deter China, fine. But I know that they've reached out to the Australian government and maybe the Australian government will, will do it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a big ask. It's a huge ask. It's one thing to say that you're going to be part of this uh, agreement to try and deter Chinese aggression. It's an entirely different thing to say you're going to help them fight a war against a superpower. It's a very, very significant ask. But before we can get into whether it's worth it, because obviously we have agreements with Taiwan. They're relatively new. We have agreements and we do have interests in the region. I don't want to make it seem like we have no interest whatsoever. If we go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer, one of the biggest interests we have in, in Taiwan is the fact that they make semiconductors, they make chips, they make parts to make computers. Now, a lot of those get made in China, for sure. But Taiwan has also positioned itself as one of the leading producers of these semiconductors, these chips. And anyone who's tried to buy a computer graphics card or even a car over the last couple of months, you know how hard it is to buy these because there's a massive shortage of these chips. If China takes Taiwan, that's not going to get better. It's going to get much worse. It'll get much worse. So to fix this, they are working on trying to offload some of these these chip manufacturing facilities into the United States. I know that they're building, looking to build one in Arizona, but that's going to take time. So yes, we do have an interest. We have a national security interest in being able to maintain our access to these semiconductors and these chips. Still though, the question is, is it worth shedding a single drop of American soil? Is it worth shedding a single drop, sorry, a single drop of American blood on Taiwan soil? Is it worth it? We just got out of a 20 year war in Afghanistan, which by the way, the Chinese have now taken over Bagram Air Force Base. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Biden. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying that so we don't have to censor everything. The Chinese have taken over Bagram Air, Air Force Base. They are on the offensive. And a lot of that is due to Biden, Biden's weakness, Biden's frailty his complete absence from the world stage, right? This is on Biden, absolutely. But what you hear from a lot of GOPers, both in Congress and out of Congress, are war drums. These hawks beating the war drums, making an argument that we should somehow be ratcheting up military tensions with China. We just got out of a 20 year war with a bunch of goat herders in caves and we lost. It's not the boots who did it. It's the suits. Still the truth, right? The, the actual soldiers didn't lose that war. The, the suits in the Pentagon did. But we just lost a 20-year war against goat herders in caves in the middle of nowhere. And now these people are, are banging the drums to go to war with China? No, no, thank you. But we'll get back to that, whether it's worth it or not. Before we can even go into any of this, we have to ask what happened what happened in Taiwan that prompted this? Is it just that it's a slow news day or did something actually happen? When So earlier I put it in air quotes, Taiwan's airspace. I want to show you what Taiwan's airspace actually looks like because a lot of places aren't actually showing it. They're not actually covering it, what the airspace actually looks like. If we put up image four, this is what Taiwan claims as its air defense identification zone. That little rectangle with a little bit of a diagonal on the, uh, on the southeast side of the island, that is the area that Taiwan claims to be its air defense identification zone, A-D-I-Z. As you will see, their air defense identification zone extends into mainland China. So I just want to be very clear. The headlines have been 
have been very, um, <laughs> the headlines have been warmongering. Fine. I just want to be very clear. China can fly a plane on Chinese in Chinese controlled airspace over the Chinese mainland, and it would violate Taiwan's air defense identification zone. Just want to make sure everyone understands that. The, they weren't flying over, <laughs> over the actual the island of Taiwan. They're flying over this larger area that they claim the right to see who's who's flying the planes. Now, if we put that up real quick again, I want to I want to call attention to something on this map that's so small you can't see it if it wasn't named Pradas Island. You see that um, on the bottom of your screen, Pradas Island. That is a disputed island. Taiwan controls it, and <laughs> of course, China claims it should be theirs. I want to show you what Pradas Island looks like. We take this down. And go ahead and let, let's put up the next image. Let's put up image number five. This is what Pradas Island looks like. I kid you not, it is one of the smallest islands that actually has a name in this area. It is, 100, it is 429 acres, 1.7 miles long. <laughs> it, it's the tiniest thing, 1.7 miles long, half a mile wide. And when you read its Wikipedia page, you say, what's on this island? Oh, well, it's got a silver silk tree. It's got a strawberry tongue tree. It's got some coconut trees. It's got three different species of seabirds. It's got parrotfish, starfish, and rock lobster. And oh, by the way, 500 of Taiwan's Marines dug in into this little island in the middle of the sea. So I want you to understand that when you hear Republicans, or anyone for that matter, beating the drums of war, they are talking about a dispute over an island that is so small, it could disappear if the storm was big enough. An island so small, you can't find it on a map if it isn't labeled, where two countries think they both own it. So I want to show you what the air incursion actually looked like. If we put up image six, this is the image that's been making the rounds a lot. I don't speak Chinese. But I want to show you this one. If we switch to image seven, image seven at least has a little bit of um, English subtitles. So you can see these were the flight paths of the PLA. That's the Chinese Air Force on October 4th, 2021. So you can see they are in that far southwest corner of the ADIZ that Taiwan claims ownership of. You can see that they are near Pradas Island. That's that little tiny speck that little blue dot. So they are flying in between Pradas Island and Taiwan in an area that understandably the Chinese military would want to have control over, right? That's not a, that's not a, a, a big stretch of ocean right there or sea right there. China has every right to fly planes off of their mainland. They do. The fact that they they dipped into this little rectangle that Taiwan just drew on a map and said, oh, this is ours now. Again, there are Republicans who are beating the drums of war over this. Because they the, the Chinese military is flying sorties over the sea. And I want to show you even more. I, I, I want to keep going because... I want to show you how ridiculous the headline is. They're saying it was Taiwan's airspace. Fine. Let's actually show what that means. If we put up image eight, put up image eight, you'll see the white rectangle. That's that ADIZ I was just telling you about. The red is actual, is the actual bit of Taiwan's airspace. That is airspace that they truly control based on international norms, international law. That is their airspace. Everything else is just made up. It's not actually their controlled airspace. So when we talk about China claiming islands in the, in, the, in the South China Sea, what Taiwan's doing here isn't all that different. They are claiming the right to identify any aircraft in that white little rectangle. And if the aircraft is, is not friendly, they can say it's a violation of their sovereignty, even though that aircraft would never have flown into sovereign airspace. I, I know this isn't the most exciting topic, but you have to understand what's going on because every media outlet is beating the drums of war. All of the GOPers are advocating for ratcheting up tensions. And it's not even like a real dispute. I mean, it is. If you're, if you're in Taiwan, fine. If you're in Taiwan, I'd be scared. I'd be super scared. 
I'm not going to curse because I don't want them to have to <laughs> don't want them to have to uh, edit any of the audio. Yes, sure, I'd be super scared. But what none of the <laughs> what none of the media outlets are reporting is that between January 2020 and November 2020, China flew over 250 sorties in that same area. And there wasn't war. They do this all the time. That's not saying they should do it. It's not saying that Taiwan has no right to be concerned about it. But it happened 250 times for the better part of last year. Now, understandably, 170 times in four days is a lot. Is a lot. But this isn't something that you just push out there like the media is doing. Oh, this is this war is coming. Maybe, maybe war is coming. And and if it does, I hate it. I hate that. But we don't want war. I mean, right now, we are living in one of the longest periods of true peace ever in modern history. Like, there is no world war right now. Yeah, sure, we were in Afghanistan, right? But comparatively, this is the most peaceful time to live on the planet. So, of course, who wants random wars breaking out all over the place? Especially when you have entangled alliances that could drag us into it. Well, apparently, the Republicans do because many of them are bought by the defense industry. This isn't, I'm not just making this up. When Eisenhower left office, he warned us. When Dwight Eisenhower left office, he warned us about something called the military industrial complex. This was back when presidents actually gave like real, um, real parting addresses, final addresses. He warned us that after World War II, instead of just retooling all different industries to turn like the, the, I don't know, the refrigeration factory and start making tanks, right? Instead of trying to sh- change everything to build up a war effort, after World War II was the creation of the actual military industrial complex, a whole business, whole part of industry designed just to build bombs. I want to play a little bit of, of this speech. And if you haven't watched it already, make sure you watch or listen to this because it, it, it's very... He knows what's coming, right? Dwight Eisenhower, great general, served as president, great president. He understood what would come if we let the companies tasked with building up our military control policy. So I want to play this clip. Let's play cut number 10. A vital element in keeping the peace is our military establishment. Our arms must be mighty, ready for instant action, so that no potential aggressor may be tempted to risk his own destruction. Our military organization today bears little relation to that known of any of my predecessors in peacetime, or indeed by the fighting men of World War II or Korea. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could, with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. How to do this? Three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. We annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporations. Now, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense 
with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. So that is back when presidents actually used to give speeches. I'm going to talk about this and explain what he's talking about. But before, I want to compare that. He's there talking about the military-industrial complex. I want to compare that to Joe Biden today being asked a question about foreign policy and him responding, I kid you not, that he's not going to answer it because he doesn't want to confuse Americans. Let's go ahead and play this clip. This is cut 11. What is more important, uh, that position that Senator Schumer has or raising the debt ceiling? And then I also have a question for you on Ethiopia. Uh, I'm going to answer one. I'm not going to answer Ethiopia. Let's stick on the debt so we don't confuse the American people. Number one. I have two questions on the debt and on Ethiopia. And he says, I'm not going to answer on Ethiopia because I don't want to confuse the American people. I, I wanted to just play that just as a juxtaposition to see the difference between Ike telling the American people what's going on, what's going to happen. You have to stop this industry from getting all powerful. Otherwise, they're going to lead us into endless wars. And today, Joe Biden saying he won't talk about foreign policy because he doesn't want to confuse Americans. Now, a lot of that is our fault. Not you guys. You guys are, are, are smart, right? But the, the majority of the American people go about their day and they don't care about foreign policy. They don't think about it. They don't think about it until it reaches their front door or there's an election right it's not just the political class's fault it's our fault too but let me let me explain what eisenhower is talking about this is the industry that builds weapons the military industrial complex you're talking about boeing lockheed martin right all of these different big conglomerates where they make billions billions of dollars a year making weapons making bombs well, what do you think the company that makes bombs wants the United States government to do with those bombs? They want them to drop the bombs because they want to be able to build more so that they can charge the government and they can make money. The military industrial complex doesn't make money during peacetime. So when you have an industry that is so big, that is so powerful, is so wealthy, and, and can control so many different members of Congress, different aspects of the government, they hate peace. Peace is bad. Peace is bad for profits. When there's peace, the bombs aren't exploding. When the bombs aren't exploding, the United States government isn't buying more bombs. Therefore, the factories aren't building more bombs. It's a very simple way of looking at it because they build more than bombs. But <laughs> if you're not using the hardware, you're not buying more. So what Eisenhower warned was that this powerful industry would push the United States into more wars. And if you look at history, that is kind of what happened. It happened in Vietnam, right? It's been happening for decades, for decades. The very interests that want the United States to be dropping bombs on other countries have put tremendous pressure on the, the policymakers to do just that. So when you see Republicans starting to pound the drums of war over this, this little island in the South China Sea that is disputed between Taiwan and China that you couldn't see on a map unless it actually had the words there because it's that small. When you see them pounding the drums of war, realize that there is an ulterior motive to this. And a lot of them won't admit it. A lot of them think that's just what they have to say. And I want to show a couple of them. Go ahead, put up my screen, Ms. Producer. This is Representative Ashley Hinson. The provocation from the CCP is unacceptable and dangerous. The U.S. stands with our longtime ally and strategic partner country, Taiwan. That's what she put out here. You got Greg Stubbe. We stand with our friends in Taiwan as the CCP sends warplanes into their airspace. Not technically correct, but fine. I urge President Biden to condemn the CCP and make clear that their behavior will not be tolerated. Representative Lisa McLean, China continues its reckless and destabilizing behavior in the China in the Taiwan Strait. America stands by our true friend and ally Taiwan against the bullying and aggression of the CCP. All of these are true statements. But what do you think it means when we promise to stand by the country that might be going to war against the superpower? What do you think that means? Do you think it's going to be these congressmen who are going to be literally standing by? Probably not. It's going to be someone else that they're sending off to fight. And if we go back to my screen, Lisa McLean is one of those interesting cases. She's relatively new to Congress, but she still has gotten a little bit of money from the defense industry. Not a ton, comparatively not a ton, but she still has gotten money for her campaign from the defense industry. 
And you hope that that's not driving these decisions. But when you have this military industrial complex and they're spending money on politicians, and then you see those politicians turn around and advocate the kind of policies that would benefit the military industrial complex, you have to be very wary of that. And it's not a conspiracy theory to wonder whether that's at play here. We have another one. We have Mike Waltz. All these, all these people are, are good people. I have nothing wrong with them. Like Mike Waltz is a Green Beret. He's a, he's a, a colonel. He says, as I said, when we abandoned our Afghan allies, I would be terrified if I were Taiwan or Ukraine right now. This is what a lack of American strength and leadership in the world looks like, instability and potentially war. That's not really as big of a saber rattling as some of his other colleagues have said. But when you look at him, he's received a bunch more money from defense, from the defense industry for his campaigns. And understandably, right, he is on, I believe, the Armed Services Committee. So it's understandable that they would want to donate to him. But you always have to be looking at this. You always have to be looking at this and understanding why are these people pounding the drums of war? Why are they advocating us going into this country that none of the none of us could even find? And not not, not the country of Taiwan, but I mean like that little that Prada's island that none of us could find without a little help on the map. You got to be aware. You got to pay attention because, yeah, China is flying into. Taiwan's ADIZ, which is not the same as their sovereign airspace. But you have to understand what that means and actually read into it because the media isn't going to tell you that. The media is deliberately not explaining all of this. And I understand this isn't the sexiest podcast topic we've ever done. It's I started this out saying, okay, well, researching it, well, what would it mean if we went to war? But the more I research into it, the more I'm like, this is this is stupid. Not for Taiwan. Obviously, Taiwan has every right to be scared and really terrified. But the people advocating for us getting involved, it doesn't make sense from an, an interest standpoint. And whenever it doesn't make sense from a national interest standpoint, you have to then look and say what other interests are at play. I'll tell you, while it, it might not be all that important to you, whether China flies flights in and out of Taiwan's airspace, I'll tell you, if any of you do suffer a medical emergency, you're going to want to sign up with Air Med Care Network to make sure that you can get airlifted to a hospital in your time of need. Air Med Care Network is the premier insurance plan to cover you and your entire household should any of you need to be airlifted for a medical emergency. It's common sense. We don't get to decide when we have a medical emergency and we don't get to decide how we go to the hospital. Yes, yeah, sure, people who fall off the side of a cliff and get lost while hiking or lost in the desert, they need to get airlifted all the time. But you'd be shocked to learn just how many people in the suburbs, even the cities, have to be airlifted just because of traffic. And it can cost a ton, upwards of 60 grand just for one flight. Well, if you become an Air MedCare Network member, you won't have to worry about that. It starts at just $85. That gets coverage for your entire household for one year. Not just you, not just your spouse, but your household. It's less if you're a senior citizen, though I think in that case, it just covers you and your spouse. And it also works out to be less per year if you buy three or five years at a time. It's common sense. Why risk paying 60 grand for a helicopter flight when 85 grand will cover you? And as long as you're an Air Medicare Network member and you're flown by an AMCM provider, you won't pay one cent for that medical transport. And as a huge bonus, when you sign up using our promo code daily and you go to the link in the description, Air Med carenetwork.com forward slash daily, they're going to give you up to $50 back, depending on how many years you sign up for. So again, that's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. So that's why I wanted to kind of cover this. Um, it's not this, as I said, the sexiest topic. It's probably not how many, many different outlets are going to cover it. I think Tucker will, will probably, if I know Tucker will probably take a position similar to this, asking why are people pounding the drums of war to get us involved in the, some other conflicts far away? So, I mean, we knew it was going to come. And, and and this is the sad part of this. We, Mike Waltz is right when he says that this is Biden's incompetence that did this, that he emboldens our enemies. He's absolutely right. This is absolutely on Biden. Of course, China's going to go into Taiwan. Of course, Russia's going to go into Ukraine. Of course, Biden is as feckless as can be. They know he's not going to stop them. So, of course, you, you, that part of it's true. But you have to ask yourself, are you going to send your son or your daughter over to that little island that's one mile long, half a mile wide, 
where you can't even see it on a map unless you use a magnifying glass, are you going to send your son or daughter over there to die for the military industrial complexes, access to semiconductors? Are you going to do that? I'm not. So you have to always ask yourself this because they're beating the drums of war anyway. So we're going to bring on our resident Taiwan expert, Jake, to explain what he's seeing in the region. Jake, welcome to the show. Hey, Max, how are you? Taiwan expert now. Pretty good. Huh? Yeah, no, you got, China you got lots of hats. Week. Thank you. You got, you got the same hat, but many hats. Many hats, yes, in disguise. Yes. So uh, I'd actually say you're wrong. You probably don't want to hear that, but I, I'd say a lot of this grandstanding is, is really that. I mean, that they're, they're taking the stance of, oh, we need to do something. But then again, these are the same people that, you know, promise, you know, rhinos on the right and, and the left. Uh, I, I think they want to appear as if they're doing their role to say, you know, here's an ally. We need to defend them. But we saw it unfold perfectly mm -hmm. with Afghanistan where they left them high and dry. So what, what precedent does it set with the current administration if we left some allies in a desert high and dry and oh, handed right. it over to China? What, you know, what interest do we have in actually standing by a worthwhile ally? There, there are a ton of products that make it into this country that we're dependent on Taiwan in making. And so, you know, given the China-Afghanistan example, you know, of which I was reading articles today, that the lights are back on, uh, and they're now mm -hmm. under the belief that China is bringing aircraft into the uh, Bagram and, and setting up shop there. So I, I don't think it's that they ever intend on going to war with China, but I think this is one of the final setups in, in China's quest for world, you know, dominion, domination, mm -hmm. in that... Uh, you know, the, the very same media outlets that are, you know, beating the drums for war are going to say that, you know, it's it's the propaganda China wants because they know we're not going to do anything about it. We did nothing about it in Afghanistan. And it's kind of the perfect setup for China to prep the narrative to say, here's the consequence. You know, here's the risk. We're, we're at risk of going to war or... They do nothing. We shame them a second time on the global stage. And then we, you know, just take over Taiwan. And Taiwan, it's like, as you showed on the map, it's, it's a speck on the globe. So if China really wants to steamroll them, they will. Oh, yeah. And yeah. If, if China, want, China could overload them just with bodies. Right, they could just send people with no it's an gun. Island. Like it's like, an island. Like the, well, they, they could they could ferry them over there, right? But just like the Russians would would send just bodies at the Germans, and they give one person a gun, one person ammo, and the guy with the gun died. The guy you with the ammo was the... expected to pick it up. Yeah, they literally just threw bodies at the Germans. China can do that. China could destroy Taiwan just with unarmed bodies, just by overwhelming them. Yeah, I mean, so... it, it's a tiny island. Um, the the one difference, I think, is we did have a, a mutual defense treaty with Taiwan, but that treaty ended. It ended in 1980 when Jimmy Carter got rid of it. And one of the reasons Jimmy Carter got rid of it was because we recognized uh, formal formal relations with China. So it was kind of hard to have formal relations with China and, uh, and also promise to defend Taiwan. So that agreement is no longer in effect. We have these kind of quasi agreements where we say, hey, we're, we're going to work with you, but we don't have an agreement on the books with them promising that if they're attacked, we're going to send American soldiers over there to die alongside of them, which is important. It, it's not to say that we don't support them and we shouldn't support them. We should let them just die. Right. But right now, if the United States was attacked, Taiwan would not be obligated to send anyone over here to help us, which in, in international relations talk, it's an important distinction between us saying that we have strategic interests there and us saying that we have a mutual defense treaty. Um, I don't think a mutual defense treaty would pass now. And I right. think it'd be kind of crazy to do it. But the ultimate goal is optics. And optics will be that we bailed out on someone that, you know, via the propaganda vortex or, you know, pre-existing agreements that we bailed out on them and we didn't help them out. So I think, you know, for the following few weeks, we're going to see a lot of drum beating. And either it's going to be another disaster in the middle of the night, like Afghanistan, where China just makes their advance and then, you know, they've proven their point again to the world. Uh, or they take it all the way to, you know, the cusp of war. And again, with the current administration, I don't think that's going to be an issue, but <clears throat> it's going to set a, a world example that 
we can be walked by any of our adversaries. So, you know, well, it's always been about deterrence. It's always been about deterrence. Like it's one thing to say we can go into Afghanistan and we can turn the sand to glass at, 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 at whim, right? Which is true. We can. We could literally turn parts of Afghanistan into glass if we wanted to. It's a different thing to say that we can defeat China. China's a nuclear power, a very powerful military. Um, it's always been this deterrence. And I don't think anyone actually expects us to just voluntarily go to war with China. We know that we don't want to do that. China knows that they don't that we don't want to do that. Similarly, Joe Biden doesn't want to, to do how, that. Yeah, but I mean, no one actually wants to have a, a, a hot war with a nuclear power. It's the same deal with the Cold War. Neither side actually wanted to go to war with the other. Um, they knew it was mutually assured destruction. That everyone on Earth would die if they did. Not a whole lot's changed in regards to that with China. The entire world would also die if we went to a nuclear war. So, yeah, I understand what you mean that we have to stand by allies. But I think without one of those mutual defense treaties, the allies know that we're not going to go to nuclear war over them making sure that they fly the Taiwan flag instead of the Chinese flag. You know what I mean? It, it's it, it's we, we stand right. by allies, but not to the point of starting nuclear war. And it, but it's it's all in part of the theme of, of China needs to degrade like part of their 30-year plan was to degrade and embarrass the west they did that in afghanistan they're going to do it with this and you know for the the bigger picture i think this is all just a smokescreen for you know other things that are unfolding uh as they make their push uh indirectly you know they haven't they've won the war but they haven't fired a shot really and we're looking forward to the next few weeks in that you know they've positioned themselves to push our buttons and know they can walk on us and that's what they'll do and then you look at the smaller developments coming out in you know different areas you know their 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 own economy is collapsing they're running out of resources so they checked off the resources not a single chinese person has died from coronavirus this year official numbers not one yeah well you know super healthy yes it is (laughs) so super healthy so they they've you know taken over their push to you know uh, refill their resources that they've been rotting out of with Afghanistan and lithium. Uh, they're, you know, positioning themselves to bottom out global equity markets. I mean, even even in Japan alone, the, the futures index went down a thousand points today, which is kind of indicative of, of sentiment in the region that other capitalist Western oriented or, you know, pro-Western countries like Japan or Taiwan are probably realizing the move that is being made here. And, you know, I, I on a side note, I read an article, I forget what outlet it was in, but saying that uh, Amazon and Facebook now deserve a seat at the UN. You know, they're, they're oh, becoming, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because they're corporate superpowers, so they should start being able yeah. to dictate, you know, world uh, policy. Let's put them on the Security Council. Yeah. So, and again, where does most of that money funnel back to? And 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 then there are another, you know, really concerning things as, you know, what's what what has historically been the precedent for uh, an economic recession? Start a war, you know. Yeah. So nineteen yeah, thirties. I mean, when, when you have when you have stagflation, when you, which is what we're in. I mean, whether they want to admit it or not, we are entering in. A very dangerous period of very high uh, rising unemployment, rising inflation. And if you try to fight unemployment, you bring inflation up, right? If you try and fight inflation, you have higher unemployment. It's very hard to try and balance those two sides of the scale. Um, we got other problems too. I know you've probably been seeing this. If we put up image twelve, these are the these are just a map of shipping containers, um, of ships carrying shipping containers that are stuck and can't get into port. This is real. Yeah. So outside of the port of Long Beach in California, there is an unprecedented number of ships, cargo ships, that can't air, that can't actually dock. If we switch over to, to image 13, this is what it looks like as of yesterday outside of Long Beach. That never happens. And people are posting images of being able to see all these different cargo ships. I mean, this is the reason for this. They're saying the reasons are can't get enough drivers, can't get enough actual chassis. Um, to put on the trucks to move the different containers. Can't get enough containers. Can't get enough dock workers. I mean, this is what it looks like if we can't even get our act together. Well, yeah. Imagine so, I mean, what it looks like if China tries to cut off our access to the different kinds of goods that we need. It's so that's two- where it does it does fit into our national interest. 
but we got a lot of problems here that we need to solve first. It's a two-pronged approach. I mean, the Port of LA is predominantly Chinese controlled at this point. So yeah. internally, as far as the administration goes, they're doing everything in favor of China. So they're you know keeping people at home. And then externally, it's not in the interest of them to actually get those ships in because they can continue to use that scarcity to control pricing. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's, you got a guy on the outside, you got a guy on the inside. It's a classic mob structure. Yeah. And yeah. we have a lot to thank of not going to war, you know, in loss of life, in definition of loss of life with the, the current administration, because our enemy will walk us into surrender. But ultimately, we will have been invited into an entire generation, if not multi-generation period of slavery in, in that we will have once we, I mean, we were once a slave to China. We still technically are, but now, you know, we've completely forked everything over to them under the current administration. Yeah. They're between talking about putting them on, you know, a seat at the UN with these huge, you know, corporate conglomerates that China pretty much owns. You know, they, they're talking about Biden saying Biden's administration is pressed to handle the tariff situation in China. And so Clearly, we're, giving, we're giving them everything. And yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, though, you look at that map of all the shipping containers stuck off the coast and you realize, wow, I mean, <laughs> there, there's lots of widgets in there, things we could do without. But there's also a lot of things that we need in there. Right. L lots of things that we need in there. I saw that the Braves had to cancel their bobblehead night because all their bobbleheads were stuck on one of those cargo ships. I mean, you don't think about just how much of the economy is affected by this. And well, that's tell what you, they're showing us. Yeah, and they're flexing I'll tell you what part of the economy. Purposely. I'll tell you what part is not affected by the shipping containers stuck off the coast of California, and that is our friends at My Pillow. My Pillow, American-made pillows, American-made products to make sure that you can have a, a very comfortable sleep without having to rely on one bit of Chinese goods. So if you go to the link in our description and check out MyPillow.com, you can help support Mike Lindell, obviously great patriot, support MyPillow, a great American company employing a ton of Americans. And also when you use promo code CD21, Charlie Delta 21, not only will you get a massive discount, but you also help support our channel, our show, and, and our plans to expand. Um, so again, go to the link in our description and use promo code CD21 to get up to 66% off the best discount code that they have available. So Jake, what else are you seeing? We got we got China and Taiwan, right? We got all these things going on. You you were talking to me earlier about the comptroller, Biden, the comptroller that right, Biden's trying you know, to put in. Unconventional she's warfare. She she's from Kazakhstan. She's uh she's actually a Cornell law professor or was, but you know, again, create a fire over here and sneak in the back door over there. And her name is Saul Amarova, and she is incredibly outspoken. Uh, you know, she was in, under uh, the incredibly outspoken pro-USSR or, you know, pro-policy. For If you go to my screen, we got a picture of her. Got to keep going. Uh, she looks like a she looks like a communist. Does she not? <laughs> that looks like a I don't, I don't know what me. that means. I mean... When, when we have little pasty white kids running around flying the communist flag, anyone can look like a communist, I guess. But she, sure. uh, <laughs> well, if she doesn't look like one, you should read her policies. Her policies are pretty terrifying. So as they're creating this, you know, optic scenario over here with, with Taiwan and China in which, you know, they're going to walk us like a dog in the media and, and chop us down the, you know, world dominance ladder. Uh, her policies are, are really, really terrifying. She goes into detail her you know if she gets confirmed as a nominee uh she's extremely anti-cryptocurrency which also sounds very similar to china just banning all cryptocurrency which you know i i hate cryptocurrency i think it's you know the greatest scam of the century and you know you can make your money on a pump and dump stock but that's more or less what cryptocurrency is in my opinion and you know she wants she's anti-cryptocurrency as as was china and then you go into her policies, and she says that the banks have become too powerful. Yeah, great. Okay, so the banks work hand-in-hand hand with, with Washington, so I don't understand why that's you know, a surprise to her. And so what she ha is proposing doing is removing all credit uh, products 
from the hands of private banking institutions. So mm-hmm. you might have a bank account with you know J.P. Morgan or a small credit union in North Carolina or Texas. USA. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. even even on a smaller state by state level, like uh, Piedmont Federal Savings is in North Carolina mm-hmm. and it's 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 in one county. So those institutions are allowed to write you mortgages and you know they store your money and her proposal is to remove that ability from banks and nationalize it so uh in in eerie format to what is taking place in china or has taken place with social credit and moral credit scores they want banks to be able to maintain the ability to store your money and pay you an interest rate on the money they're storing but when it comes to credit cards and mortgages and anything revolving around loans and debt they get to handle it as in the federal government gets to be the issuing you know the issuing creditor so then you know max in your in your conspiracy theory mind what would you say is a risk of that if the federal government is uh the all decider of who gets to partake in property ownership or oh yeah no uh, it's student loans yeah, it's the same reason you don't want the social credit score that China has. You don't want the government to decide whether or not you can own a house. You don't want the government to decide whether or not you can buy a car. Um, the government already wants to decide your health care for you, right? They, oh, you need to get this shot. You need to do that. Um, it's it's a level of control over the economy that we don't really need or want. They've and, nationalized uh, education with labor unions and you know all of the CRT and every everything else coming down from that they've nationalized industry over the past 18 months and destroying all the small businesses they've you know nationalized you know push for healthcare uh, they're throwing well, helicopter money I'll do you, I'll money. do you one better yeah I'll do you one better every time the federal government has had a say in helping decide who can and cannot get a house they've caused a massive collapse Absolutely. <laughs> I mean but that's the point. That's, when you talk like that's the point. they're, they're going to stop conservatives from buying houses because they don't like our politics, and then they let people who have no business buying a house buy a house that they're immediately underwater in, and they have no business ever owning and no hope of ever paying off. So it's beyond just the ability to weaponize it. It's just a bad idea for the government to ever have a real right. say in deciding who can so, and cannot own a home because so when, they always make a bad decision. When, when the U.S. government is the underwriter of your mortgage, and then they find a picture on Facebook that, you know, you had a, a Trump 2024 yeah. flag somewhere. For, you know, what, what is to stop them from saying, yeah, well, we're severing services with you. And since mm-hmm. we're the only game yeah. in town, you know, do you lose the house? Do you have to sell it? And that's really the scary push to all of this. And, you know, everyone, you know, is distracted by other things where, you know, the media latches onto this. But no one has even seen how radical the woman that will really be in charge of. Uh, monetary application, not interest rates or, or you know, bond purchases or issuances, mm-hmm. what the money becomes and, you know, what is the definition of money and, you know, the push for a uh, central bank digital currency and there are guys talking about cryptocurrency being decentralized. Yeah. And I love that. It's like, yeah. a, you know, it's like a child, um, a child with a, a cookie not understanding anything else happening in the world when they say, well, it's decentralized. It's like, Okay, right. So uh, if you take away a road, cars, a car is useless, right? With no roads, your car is useless for the most part. So if you take away the road... Uh, I, I have a Jeep Wrangler. Right. Differ. Right, but most people have <laughs> Priuses and things yeah, of that yeah, yeah, nature. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, again, yeah. tr- you know, try getting across 100 miles straight with a Jeep Wrangler. You're going to run into some rough patches. Better bring No, no, eventually I'm going to need to get gas because it only gets like 13 miles a gallon. Yeah. So, you know, you take away the road that the cars move on, cars become a lot less valuable. Now, what happens with what we just saw today where a global tech and, you know, the articles are just saying Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram. But more specifically, it was uh, Fidelity. I couldn't get into my brokerage account for some time. USPS, I was tracking a package. It went dark for several hours. So telegram i mean all across the board so to say that this was just uh some kind of issue pertaining to facebook i think this was lots yeah i i think this was a a taste of what risks a digital infrastructure poses as we head into some really tumultuous times politically speaking so I'll, i'll tell you what this should teach everyone this should teach everyone that we become far too comfortable with things that are far too complicated 
to assume they'll always be there. I mean, that this uh, I don't know whether this was a hack or whether this was accidental, right? But even if it was just a hack and some hackers were able to take down that huge chunk of the internet, I mean, we talk about going to war with China. What do you think the first thing that China would do against us? They would launch a cyber attack and they would cripple huge parts of our infrastructure. We've already seen foreign powers trying to trying to have incursions into our electrical grid, right, into our healthcare systems. Imagine if they went after our hospitals and shut down every single hospital and just turned off the lights. Well, yeah, they have backup generators, but how long do those last, right? I mean, we've become very, very comfortable with just having things right at our disposal. And if anything, today, Facebook being down should show everyone just how easy it is to lose what we always assumed would be there, right? We always assume that when you flick the light switch, the lights comes on. You always assume that when you type in a URL in your browser, you get where you want to go. Whether it's a hacking or accidental, um, we don't know that answer yet. But if, if it can happen accidentally, if it can happen with a hack, it could absolutely happen with cyber warfare. And uh, we have to be prepared for that. Right. And so wrapping up the final word, Jake, wrapping up that statement, you know, the argument that you take away the roads, cars become pretty much useless. Take away, you know, you can censor YouTube, you can censor the media, you can censor all of that. But the same, you know, same thing can be applied to a currency in which its roadway is the Internet. And so, you know, it's, it's mind blowing to me that, you know, we're putting all of our eggs into one basket. And I think one day. I think even to the extent of cryptocurrency, I think cryptocurrency is a weapon, uh, it's a financial weapon in what, that one day, you know, they, 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 they push the mania and one day people are going to yep. wake up and it's going to be at zero and people will, you know, I mean, what, what, what insurance do these people have that in the middle it's of done. the night, someone just runs off with it and it's gone yeah. Yeah. and it's gone. Yeah. And so, yeah. and that is why, that is why I only buy Dogecoin. My, the only the only coin I buy, Dogecoin to the moon, baby. <laughs> bought it when it bought it when it. Eggs. I bought it when it was when it was zero. I bought it like seven years ago. Right, right. Um, and so, I've done that. With, it's made I've a done good that, chunk. I've, yeah, and you can, but it, at least you understand what it really is. I should have sold it. I should have sold it last year. I would have. I would have just been able to buy a new house. So, but, so uh, if you don't, you know, if you don't understand that, you know, it's in and out. It's not a store of wealth. I mean, you're storing your storing your wealth in something in the cloud i, yeah. I think that's just going to be another play on well, of, of, well uh, everyone has everyone has a ledger presuming that everyone downloads it every day so the ledger multiple people have it so i mean that's like the fallback how many truly people need do you think to, actually do that though yeah no not a ton and not a ton of people to keep it in their physical wallet but i can already tell that we are talking about things that are making people's eyes glaze over um but we are out of time jake um, do you have any plans? Big day today. It's National Taco Day. Do you have any no. plans for today? No. No, I'm actually not a fan of tacos. So. Boo. No. Boo. They just crunch. They fall apart. They explode in your lamp. Well, that's why so. you get soft tacos. Not a you fan soft of that. Tacos. It's like a soggy Crunchy tacos. Soggy Crunchy tacos are not worth the time, 100%. But soft tacos are great. Well, not a big taco guy, so not doing anything. I'm going to go get some tacos. So Alrighty. Well, you're in Texas, so you're probably in a better place yeah. than Colorado. Yes, very true. Well, thank you, Jake, our resident Taiwan expert. Absolutely. And our resident, um, our resident monetary policy expert. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Max. Have a great day. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. If you like the podcast, you got to sign up for the audio version. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean. Now also Audible. All those links are in the description. We go live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern, two different times a morning show and an evening show. So make sure you add that to your calendars. And if you forget or you don't want to add to the calendar, that's fine. Sign up for our text alert system by texting the word freedom to 89517. You'll get added to our text alert list and get a text message um, when the show's about to go to air with all the different links. Like today, our text message did not include Facebook because Facebook's down. If you're used to watching us on one place, that's how you're going to be able to find us when we have, we have outages and things like that. Um, so yeah, make sure you do that. Make sure you sign up for our email newsletter as well. Very, very important. And check out the store, store.conservative-daily.com. Lots of great products, more on the way. So if you haven't already, make sure you check out the store. There's an argument going on in the DLive comment section right now between Del Taco, Taco Bell. Del Taco clearly takes Taco Bell. I don't, I don't even think that that's even a question. 
Um, unfortunately, there are no Del Tacos here in Texas. So I will live vicariously through the Del Tacos that are in other states. That's going to be it for this edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.